We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. Following, following the following is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? Fourteen million six hundred and five. How many did we win? Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast that's dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips, and introducing his new co-host, Tyler McLaughlin. You should have gone for the head. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 250. I am your host, Nate. And spoiler alert, if you listen to the intro at all, the secret is not a secret anymore. Now introducing to you all, finally breaking the silence, welcome to Journey Into Comics as my co-host, the Tyler McLaughlin. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Really enjoyed my day off. First one in 29 days. Been excited to do episode 250 for a while. We've got some good stuff to talk about. We're culminating your 29 days of hard work, your first day off with a celebration podcast. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, we can get into it, man. No, it's crazy. Just to quickly, I don't like to be like this all the time, and I, I'm sure you're going to make fun of me because I, I try not to be retrospective, but I want to... Mention the main reason that, like, you were my, really the only choice. As soon as I had a spot open, as there's not a co-host anymore, you know. A lot of me said I need to take some time to just do the show by myself and get my bearings back and see if I can do it. Because I had gotten used to the blanket of comfort of Brando and me and how we podcast together. Mm -hmm. There's a very special energy there. But with that energy, you can tell when you have that energy with someone else. And, dude, the energy when you and I are sharing a stage, when we've done podcasting live together, whether it's at LaFeCon or whatever, or Fun for Funds or whatnot, like, it's just natural. Conversation flows good. I'm never in my head going, oh, my God, what are we going to talk about next to fill time? How are we going to do it? I'm just like, ah, everything's fucking kosher. We got this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be a great show. Well, I think we we do a good job of um, just kind of of bouncing back and forth off of each other, and you know, allowing each other to get, you know, both of us are long winded sometimes, and and we have these super complex and and sometimes convoluted ideas and theories, and it, it, sometimes it takes a while to get you know, kind of to the punchline of those ideas. And I think we do a good job of allowing each other to row, you know, row the boat as fast as we can and get where we're trying to go and then help each other when we need to. 
So totally I, feel it coming with the assist when we need to. Mm-hmm. And 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 definitely know like sometimes you'll have a crazy idea and it's part of an idea I already had, but you took it to like a different level, and I'm like shit. He has really thought about this idea. Like, I only like 25% created this idea, but you're like 84% over here giving it some extra something, something. But, uh, well, we're so passionate about, you know, all the things that we talk about on this show Marvel, DC, you know, basically just nerd culture as a, as a whole. We're so passionate about it that. You know, we, we've we've talked about social issues as far as nerd culture. We've talked about <clears throat> theories and, and, and anything that you can think of under the sun. And we're, I think we're passionate enough about it that the, the craziest ideas that we have, sometimes those are the most reasonable, you know? Yes, absolutely. It's like, well, wait a minute. What are you getting at here? The idea that seems impossible now in this world that we live in, maybe that does make a little bit of sense. Um, I love that too, that we're talking about the, uh, the ability to bounce ideas off each other. That's going to be a theme today on the show with a lot of stuff. I will say, you know, one thing we are going to be doing next week on the show, just so you have a little bit of time to prepare and I'm going to have to give you this and we're going to work together, but, uh, you have to make your random origin. Now, do you know about the random origin? Do you know anything about this process? You've briefed me on it a little bit. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to write a superhero origin for you. The only thing is I'm going to take out all the key important shit to this superhero origin, and then I'm just going to ask you Mad Lib style to give me words that are like adjectives, verbs, nouns, pronouns, mm-hmm. uh, the name of a fish, some shit like that, you know? And, and you're just going to give me all this random shit, having no idea where it goes or what its purpose is, and then I'm going to fill in the blanks, send it to you, and you will read your random origin. You'll be the first person in 200 episodes to do a random origin. We've not done this in a long time, but I feel you are worthy of the mantle. There was a very special class of people that were a part of the random origin journey way back on episode 50, so... I think I'm it's honored. now time we bring this thing out. I think we're also going to at some point bring Nick on the show and do it for him too. He's done so much for us, man. Like that dude's the bomb. So uh so Tyler, officially welcome to Journey into Comics. Thank you. I'm super stoked to have you as my co-host. Excited for what the future brings and I can already say it. We're only 50 episodes from 300, baby. Woo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm lame, I know, but there's always a reason to celebrate. You know, there's always a reason to be excited. Right. I will say it's weird, though. This is like the first real milestone podcast that's a lot more laid back as far as like what we're doing. And, and I love it because now we can focus on you and me getting this new. Well, I mean, and people have to be used to it, man. People are obviously tuning in and listening week to week, and mm-hmm. you've been on several episodes now. Especially to- here recently. Oh, yeah. We've been just kind of, as any chance we've been able to get, we've gotten together. Like, there, Actually, there was one week, I will say, I felt so fucking bad because I didn't realize I, had t- I didn't text you at all to like see if you could go. And by the time I would have texted you, it was like 9.30 my time, which is 10.30 your time, and you were amidst that 29 days, and I was like... 
it's not happening. I'm going alone this week. It's cool. <laughs> F- fucking go with it, man. Like, I, actually, I think it was just last week. Like, this, I, fuck, man, this whole week has been crazy. I'm just, like, retrospectively it's, it's think su- about it. It's like, damn. It's the summertime. I mean, that's what that's what happens in the summertime. I mean, it's like your metabolism. The warmer that it gets, the faster that, spin- that things speed up. You know, that's the good and the bad. They both come in droves. Um, you know, I made a lot of money in the last 29 days, but I also worked myself to exhaustion, and, and that's not really good. You know? you're, almost, you're almost like a shadow, Tyler. Oh, man. The, the, first, the first four or five days was pretty rough because I, I worked three 10-hour days into a 12-hour day, immediately followed by two more 12-hour days, followed by a week of 10-hour days. You know, so it was like those twelve-hour days. You know, I was pretty much getting up and getting up in the dark, and then coming home and going to bed like right, right when it's getting dark. You know, so it's like I've pretty much lived in shadow, and that's not yeah. You that's like not deprived good. yourself of the sun, mm-hmm. and that's not good for me. I I gotta have I gotta have sunlight. So he's um, an ocean boy. I, I I love the ocean and the sun. I gotta have that vitamin D, my man. Be careful who you say you need vitamin D to. They might mean they might think you want something else. Maybe. Oh, Maybe that's what right. I meant, Nate. You don't know. Damn it! Now I feel bad. Shit! I assumed your <laughs> sexual orientation live on the podcast. It's 2019. You can't do that. Fuck! Don't get me fired from my own network, bro. That would be a travesty. <laughs> the bosses would be really pissed around here. <laughs> I I would not want to sit in on that board meeting. No. No, you would not. I don't want to sit in on that board meeting. And moving on. Okay. So uh, what's been up? Okay, you've been working like crazy, man. So what else has been in good in your world? Have you at least had any opportunity to spend some time with the family or has it just been like literally to the grind barely being able to see anybody it's pretty much been work get home shower eat and immediately go to bed you know because that's in in my trade anyway when you're getting like especially on overtime days like the cardinal sin is showing up late on an overtime day and then be, that's the fastest way to never get offered overtime again, you know, because it's a privilege. You're, you're getting paid a lot of money, especially when it's crunch time, you know. Yeah. So early, early to bed, early to rise. That whole shebang. Man, I we we fucking had a whirlwind of a week. We played an awesome show in Muncie. It's my first time in Muncie. How was that? I drove down a one way the wrong way for like six blocks. There were no signs. There were no fucking signs, bro. Not a fucking sign. The only thing we noticed was there were no stoplights going in our direction, and that was weird. I was like, uh, why is everybody else getting a signal, but we're not getting told that we can go? Am I supposed to go now? I guess I'm going. Okay. Finally, we turned off of that road. That was bad. And then, as I recounted last week on the podcast, uh, my cat, Cammie, was really sick. And unfortunately, 
the sick was stronger than the cat and she's gone, man. And that was probably the hardest thing I've ever dealt with. I mean, we called the vet and she was gone before we could get her out of the house. So Mm. it was, uh, witnessing the circle of life right in front of me and being grateful to carry that cat to her final moments and, you know, be there for her. And she got to be at home and that's cool, cool and everything. But it's like, man, it just like set the week for this like very dark emotional week. It's just been really, really weird, man. It's, it's different. It's, it's also, and I said this off air, there's so much change going on in our world that like, the t- again, the tone for 250 is whatever we want it to be. Today is whatever we get to want mm-hmm. it to be because I feel like everything in my life is changing so quickly. It just like, bam, here we are, you know? Well, Skylar and I were really, really sorry to hear that, that Cammie passed. You know, we, we visited not long ago, and, and Skylar wanted to take her with us when we left. Yeah, she, she, wants, she wants a She wants a cat so bad she can't hardly stand it, and... uh we we enjoyed enjoyed that that small amount of time that we got to spend with her. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't really know where you want to go first. Um, you know, I I think we could definitely touch on uh, the end game kind of controversy now at this point because, you know, you and I talked about it briefly how we feel. I'm I'm pretty disappointed with when. When I saw the headline that they were re-releasing Endgame with additional footage and that in in my mind, you know, a lot of times, like when Avatar did it, Avatar obviously did it to get more box office numbers, you know, they wanted to be the top dog, not that they had to beat out Titanic. James Cameron wanted to beat himself. Mm Mm-hmm. He can't just so, settle for masturbation like the rest of us. He had to do it on that big ass scale, <laughs> and in three D, <3D. laughs> and in three uh, D. <laughs> but uh, you know, w- when I when I saw that headline, I didn't think that it was just another cash grab. And you know, at, when the when the headline first dropped, that you know there wasn't really any informa- any information about what it was. You know, what was in at least what I had seen. So I was planning on getting a ticket, and then I saw an article um, the other day that said, you know, basically the entire synopsis of the additional... Um, it was uh, it was like a presser that told you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...what's coming through this footage. Basically, it broke it down scene for scene what was in the additional footage, and I, I was pretty disappointed. I mean, I, I was really happy to see the Stan Lee stuff... Um, you know, because I, I feel like that's something that definitely should have been in the original theatrical cut of the film. Um, maybe should have played before the fucking movie. Just saying. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think back to when we did, or when we, um, when we went and saw Captain Marvel, you know, the opening, opening kind of crawl for, for Captain Marvel was all Stan Lee stuff. And oh, that got me too. The, and and you know it, it was it was still very fresh and and you know we were all emotions running high and you know the the theater went nuts when when that played 
and I kind of expected something similar, if not bigger and 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 better than than what we saw before Captain Marvel, and I was pretty disappointed. Um, it was one of the missteps know, that's, that's of Endgame, of, you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's one of my nitpicks of that film. Um, but I mean, adding footage that's incomplete and and like, you know, I. When I when I watch a Blu-ray at home, in the privacy of my home, you know I'm not wearing any pants. I'm just relaxed. Okay. I may or may not, I may or may not have a cocktail. Maybe I've got a, ba- uh, a bowl of Cheetos. It doesn't matter. the The important part is I don't have pants on. Um, <laughs> and I go, you know, I'll, a lot of times, even if I've watched it a hundred times, I'll, I'll watch the like theatrical cut of a film. And then I always go into the special features after I've watched it, you know, watch the deleted scenes, you know, the behind the scenes. I like to watch that stuff kind of like as kind of like as an experience. The featurettes are some of the best parts of movies, man. Yep. You know, and and early on, I was pretty against watching films with director commentary because I remember back to the um, the Fox uh, VHSs that I had with Leonard Malton, you know, like interjecting like throughout throughout Star Wars like okay man, I just want to watch a lightsaber battle. Get the fuck out of here Leonard Malton, you creep. You're not um, helping my experience. No, but but now I enjoy a lot of that stuff, you know. Some of the director commentary even for movies that aren't very good, you know, trying trying to understand their artistic vision and, and why they shot certain scenes the way that they did with certain technology. You know, there's a lot of stuff that really goes into it, and that's interesting. But if you're going to do a deleted scene that's unfinished on the Blu-ray, I'm totally okay with that. But if, if I'm going to pay, you know, another 30 or $40 to go see a movie in theaters... Not even in IMAX. So let's say fifty or sixty bucks if I'm going to go see it in IMAX, and you're going to give me a a CGI rendering of the Hulk or his mouth doesn't move. Come on, that 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 just proves that at this point it is just a cash grab. Yeah, it's a it's a giant, definitely a giant misstep for them. When you, I mean, and, and you break it down, you break it down perfectly because. For me, I saw there was a presser, Kevin Feige did an interview or something at like the red carpet of Spider-Man or some shit and said, there's going to be new footage coming out. We're re- we are re-releasing the movie. That's the thing that's happening. And I was like, oh my God, they're going to show stuff that is going to impact the world differently. It's going to make things bigger. Maybe we're going to see a tease that Vision is still alive. You know, Maybe we're going to see some really cool shit and then I read the thing, and I actually read this thing and was like, nah, somebody's just fucking saying what they think is going to happen. I'm going to mm-hmm. wait until I have an opportunity to either AC it in theaters or if by some chance I can get a hold of it through another means. Sure. I got a hold of it through a different means, especially with myself and uh, we're going to go tomorrow, as you're listening to this on Monday, to see Spider-Man Far From Home, because that's this week. I'm super fucking excited. Mm -hmm. So with that money being spent, it was like, well, we can't double down and go see Endgame again. Like That's just too, too much money, Marvel. You don't get that much money from me this month. So uh, I watched this thing, and, you know, I'm I'm like, at first I was kind of like, 
oh, it's like elusive. You can't really tell it's the Hulk. Like they're trying to kind of keep him kind of a secret for a minute, you know, because he's in the shadows a little bit. And then I realized he was just block rendered really badly. And then when he's on the street, quote unquote, talking, Mm -hmm. and as you said, his mouth's not moving and the satellite dish looks like something out of Twister and... I was just it, it just it just I love it. It just didn't you know exactly what I mean by that too. Mm-hmm. It just didn't do it for me. I'm just like, no. Okay, and then okay. So let's talk about this though, because then there's also it does give you like a minute and thirty seconds of the opening of Far From Home. And I don't know if you saw the description for that or, or anything like that. So essentially there's the uh, a shield vehicle driving in this desert in Mexico City, and this place is fucking devastated. It looks like shit. It looks like where the Avengers fought Thanos on Earth, right? It's fucking just destroyed. And, oh, I, I I did read this. Okay, and, I know I know what you're talking about. And so Hill and Fury get out and they draw their guns and they're like, "What the fuck?" And then. St- shockingly we don't get spider-man in this scene we get mysterio debuts you don't want any part of this and you don't want any part of this and he's attacking what looks like a version of quote-unquote sandman you would say that elemental made of sand they're doing the same thing with hydra man and molten man in this movie why would you not Mm -hmm. call him sandman i know that there's a character behind sandman but maybe okay so and and then that's pretty much it. And this is Spider-Man Far From Home, you know, in theaters July 2nd or whatever. And I think about all the things they did, and it, it really is a massive misstep for me. It, like, I almost would have rather them wait till closer to, like, award season to re-release it then in hopes to get some recognition for the awards that they probably rightly deserve beyond just their fucking cinematography. I mean... You weaved a story through 22 movies together into one fucking opus that sang from start to finish, bell to bell. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> I do want to add this though. I, I stand by my opinion of, I think, as a whole, I think Infinity War is a more complete movie than Endgame. Yeah, I, I, no, I just I, think, I, I think that if. If they would have released simultaneously as one film, it would have been, hands down, no question, the greatest film of all time. But because the way that Infinity War, the road that it took, or the the ride that it took you on, and the way that it ended, you know, there was so much hype going into Endgame, especially after Captain Marvel. You know, it kind of... uh, re-grease the wheels so to speak you know we were all amped up to see it we were all emotionally charged i i think now that i've watched endgame again i i kind of you know as far as home watch or home viewing I've, i've seen some stuff that i didn't really care for um the the Frat Boy Hulk is still really bothering me. I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to let that one go. And now that I've got not fully rendered Hulk, it just adds to that, you know? <laughs> like, why Incomplete even do Hulk. it? Yeah. Mm. But uh, part of what aggravated me about the presser that I read was um, the Russo brothers said they had to actually remove scenes from the film or, like, 
cut certain parts out of scenes so they could add those into the end of the runtime. Yeah. That why not why not just add like 10 minutes of runtime like it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, no, I would have been all about it. Just yeah. to give us that extra story. And yeah. and I mean, I read their I read their reasoning and they were like, you know, we didn't want to really drive it into the ground twice because they said that the whole and this is a complaint that Brando frequently had with DC movies, so here's Marvel being dinged for something like this, but you know, uh the Russo said, you know, Paul Rudd saying, I'm so confused here when they're at the diner is what hangs on everything making sense because then Hulk can just tell everybody what's going on. You don't need to see him rescuing people. Mm-hmm. Right. So that scene was actually shot after the fact. Initially that scene wasn't in the movie. It was Hulk saving them and getting the phone call and saying, Steve who, you know, and then they were going to have a different kind of meeting, you know, and, and talk about time travel and whatnot. So, right. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, and then another thing is, like, if you're going to tell me there's six minutes of footage and four minutes of that footage is the Stan Lee thing, which is great. I'm Please don't mistake. I'm not trying to take away from that. I'm more saying you only give the fans really two minutes of footage, one minute of a deleted scene that's halfway rendered, and then a minute of Spider-Man, which most everybody's already planning on seeing. What did you really give us? Which which could have released on TV as, um, you know, like a a teaser special before an award show or a sporting event or yes. something. You know, the women's World Cups going on right now. Uh, you know, there's a lot of big uh, international soccer tournaments happening right now. Someone would, even if you're not a fan of soccer, like I am, big fan, always watch the international tournaments. Even if you're not, if you say, hey. We're gonna release this uh, this extended teaser uh, before tonight's game, before tonight's championship game. I'm tuning people in. People are going, to, people are going to turn it, turn that on just to watch that teaser. Correct. And then who knows if you're fucking around, you're not paying attention, you're smoking a bit of weed. All of a sudden, now this thing's on that you didn't mean to put on. You've already watched the shit, but then now they're getting their ratings too. It's a fucking win-win, yep. man. Yep. Absolutely. It, it's, I mean, I think it is a poor misstep. I feel like I will forgive Marvel. They've got almost everything else and done that all right. Like, sure. But if you're going to go for the heart or go for something, give us something of substance. Give us something to talk about. Have a better fucking game plan than Incomplete Hulk. Now yeah. in 3D, you know, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's just... You know, and and don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not um, mad or, or or aggravated with Marvel by any means because, like, I mean, you you put it perfectly. They they've pretty much they've pretty much sold us on everything else. So, I mean, what have, what mistake have they really made? They haven't made they haven't made very many. Um, and and this is more just uh, come on, guys, like. Really, give us something. Be smarter. Think further ahead than just like, oh, what can we do to I mean, grab that extra cash? You can think twenty-two movies ahead, but you can't think to maybe actually just fully render a scene to put in there, or, or like you said, give us something with a little bit more gravity or weight. You know, well, and it's like this too, man. The, uh, not too much of a spoiler, but 
Apparently, the Iron Spider fighting sequence that you see in the teasers for Far From Home, it's not in the movie. It didn't make really? the cut. And that, that was their, they, they made a decision not to, to use it for whatever reason, you know? And there are going to be people pissed off about that. But check it out. There's your opportunity. Right there would have been your opportunity to have the small scene with Peter. He's on the rooftop. He's mourning Tony. He sees the fucking the graffiti art that has Tony's face in white glow-in-the-dark paint. He, like, everywhere I go, I can't fucking escape his face. This is some bullshit. He gets the alert through his, you know, iron spider suit. He goes to the fucking bank. He does all that bullshit and beats all those bad dudes and goes, okay, and that's your fucking teaser. People would have been fucking jacked to see Spider-Man. Or why not Why not that and the scene that they actually did give us? Oh, okay, totally. Yeah, I totally see that. That that actually, I love that better. That That makes perfect sense. Just, just roll right, like Endgame ends, you know, it rolls right into Peter and all that stuff, and then it finishes with Hill and Fury meeting Mysterio. Simple as that. Yeah, because then you've been reintroduced to Parker, who we know is dealing with the fallout of Tony's death. Spoiler alert for you fucks who haven't seen Endgame yet. I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how you're listening to this podcast and haven't seen Endgame yet. There's really genuinely something lawn. wrong with you. Some old 95-year-old grandma stumbled onto this shit today, and she just right now got so offended and shut us off before I could say, sorry, lady, my bad. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, man. What do you think of this? Do you know about the runtime thing? For? Okay. So there's this big, crazy thing going on where people, after seeing Endgame, went back and tallied the run times for all the Avengers movies, all the Marvel movies, all 22, and they said, listen, if Spider-Man Far From Home comes out with a 129-minute runtime, the first chapter of the Marvel saga will be, to the minute, 3,000 minutes. I love you, 3,000. Right? Mm. And, like, that's like, whoa, Right? So, spoiler alert, Far From Home, 129 minutes. Okay, right? They asked about it because the elusive they through the interwebs asked the people at Marvel at the premieres and shit, what the fuck, how did you guys do this? And they were like, that's incredible, but we didn't plan it. To, to even try to put that together throughout the whole time, to always have that as an end goal, would have been nearly impossible to keep track of, I mean, realistically speaking. So, happy accident is what Marvel's calling it. The end of they the would, first chapter is exactly 3,000 minutes. What the they fuck? They would have they would have had to have... I mean, like it's just... I mean, the fact that that line, I love you 3,000, is something that our, our Robert Downey Jr. says to his kids... They would have had to have planned that all the way back at Iron Man 1. And, you know, there's... I give Kevin Feige a lot of credit. I, I think Kevin Feige does not get enough credit for, for you know, the story that he has weaved and planned all the way from the beginning. Um, but I, I, think, I think something that minute, that far away is even out of his realm of possibilities, you know? Come on now, be real now, folks. 
you have to think about it, man. Like, they plan so many other things. You have to think they have to be thinking about all these other really very important details to us as fans. Look at how well-crafted these movies are. I think that the runtime is just a, a circumstance of how they they direct the movie. It's not... There's no way. There's just no fucking way, man. There's no way. There's I, no way. And, I mean, there I were even too, versions of Endgame that were longer. Mm-hmm. So that would have affected... It doesn't make sense. There's, um, you know, what we have to remember as fans, um, there's a lot of Easter eggs, you know, spread out through all 22 films that, you know, on, on first watch... Or, you know, just during the runtime of that movie may just be an Easter egg. And then 10 movies later, it ends up being a plot device. You know, you you look at you look at the amount of times that the Tesseract popped up in all the films. God, it's like one of the biggest devices in the entire first chapter. Mm-hmm. And whether, it whether does or not and causes it causes so many things. Mm-hmm. So they have to constantly be cognizant of all of that shit. And especially now, especially now that they've done it for 22 movies, you know, ending with Endgame, they're going to have to double down and do it for the remainder of the time that they do the MCU. And they're going to have to do a better job than they have up until this point now. Man, the future of the MCU is, I mean, we talk about this every time together, but you're exactly right. They have to maintain their flawlessness and their attention to detail and they're hiring the right kind of directors to really hit home runs for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, taking risks too. You look at a director like Taika Waititi, Taika Waititi, sorry, I'll fuck that name up, but like Taika Waititi, if you watch his movie that they essentially hired him for, which was the one movie he had done before what we do in the shadows, Nothing like Thor Ragnarok, my friend. Mm-mm. Not even the same ballpark, you know. Fucking amazing, hilarious, hysterical. Do you like Buschetti? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then you look at like, but then you, I don't know if you heard the story about Taika Waititi though. He actually took footage from the other Thor movies that were already out, <clears throat> put them to immigration song by Led Zeppelin. And sent that to Kevin Feige and company and said, this is how I would do the Thor movie. And they were like, oh, that's that's actually fucking awesome. We want you to be the director for the new Thor, please. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't read that anywhere. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I saw that. I think it was floating around on Reddit the other day. It was an interview with uh, him or somebody. They were talking about how he got the job. And he was just, you know, what he would have done. And then he got to do what he wanted to do. Awesome. Fucking reinvigorated a character. So we've we've gone hard in the paint, as you say. Yeah. On Marvel. We might as well talk about Spider Man Far From Home because that's definitely and obviously what's what's coming next. You yeah. know, here in a sh- in, here in a few short days. I think Skylar and I are gonna go see it Wednesday night, possibly. Sweet. Um but I'm not sure. It just depends on what we can what we can wrangle up. Need to get yourself a sitter. Mm-hmm. Not quite ready to take rubles to the uh Well I thought about she's she's really into Spider Man 
And I, I don't know if I've told you... Well, I think I told you in the network, but pretty much for the last month, month and a half, or like two and a half months... Solo? <laughs> every day, we watch Star Wars. Every day. I love it. I get, ho- I get home from work, and we watch a different Star Wars movie every day. I've watched Solo to the point where I can't watch it anymore. Time out, ladies and gentlemen. Parenting done right. <laughs> well, I mean, it was kind of... I, I love the phrase that you used a little bit ago, happy accident. Um, when Ruby was a baby, I would just turn on Star Wars, and she would just sit there and watch it. She wouldn't make a peep. She would just watch it. And then, obviously, now that she's a little bit older... Um, there was like a Star Wars marathon on over Memorial Day. And, you know, I have the complete set, but rather than get up off my couch and get each individual disc out, I just recorded that Memorial Day marathon so I could just watch them at my leisure. You know, this, yeah. is, this is America. <laughs> I'm not getting up off the couch. No, but uh, don't, don't do that. I I don't know. I think it was Empire. I just happened to to turn on Empire and like right when she walked into the room, Chewie was doing some badass stuff and she just sat down and was just totally enamored by Chewie. And Chewbacca's her favorite character. She knows that Boba Fett's my favorite character. She thinks Darth Vader is terrifying, but also awesome. really cool. That's um, awesome. So yeah, we, we watched Star Wars every day, um, and I played the Spider-Man game not long ago, and it was kind of the same thing. She just happened to walk in, like, right when I was doing, like, a triple backflip, you know, right by Avengers Tower, and she just sat love down it. and watched me, she just sat down and watched me play, and she is totally in love with Spider-Man now. So I haven't quite decided if we're going to take her with us or not. I don't know if she would be able to focus. Uh, we went and saw Toy Story 4 today. Ouch. Um, How does your soul feel? Uh, I got to be honest with you. I hated it. It was did, awful. Did, was it sad? I mean, it was mildly sad, but the movie, the plot was awful. If you could summarize it for us briefly, just a, a quick side tangent. Couple words, your your best efforts. <sighs> um, really lofty goals of emotion, but suffers due to poor writing and really weird sounding characters. Yeah, Woody Woody and Buzz don't sound like Woody and Buzz. Weird. Mm-hmm. That is and super they don't, weird. And they don't act like Woody and Buzz. They act more like um like Beavis and Butthead than than Woody and Buzz. Weird. That's super weird. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, but uh, s- slight spoiler alert, Buzz is a complete and total idiot in this movie. Uh-oh, cuz he's getting old and senile. No, no, no. Just just the way that they wrote him. He's just an idiot. Oh. That's dumb. I mean, they've they've done a little bit of that in the last two movies, you know? It was slapstick comedy, um, stuff like that, but no, the way that they wrote Buzz in this film, he is 
He is just really, really dumb. Man, that's a bummer. Yep. So I, I was... Ruby does really well at the movies. Um, I thought that Toy Story would be... You know, I, I imagine this is going to be the last one. It almost has to be, especially with, with the way that they did the plot. Um, but it just... I mean, Skylar liked it. Ruby obviously liked it. I hated it. It was awful. The worst worst Pixar movie I've ever seen. Damn. My guess is Andy wakes up from his shroom trip surrounded by all his childhood toys, and they aren't, in fact, talking. He was just really fucked up on psilocybin. That would have been a better plot Damn. than the one that we got. Man, that's unfortunate. I hate when I can create a half-assed story that you like better than what they actually <laughs> offer, because that means they didn't try for shit. There, there were parts of it that were really, really good, um, but it was just not. It just <laughs> didn't mean... hit. It just didn't hit hit it for you. No, I mean, I it it didn't even give me like the dad vibes. It didn't. I didn't have any like childhood nostalgia of my favorite toys or anything like that. It was just not good at all. You were just sitting there wishing you could watch Indian in the Cupboard instead. Fuck yes. I still have my Indian in the Cupboard Indian figurine. Oh my God. That's incredible. I'm so jealous of you because I always wanted one but never had one. But I always had the Darth Vader yep, toy and that was it. always like my favorite because hell yeah. That's wicked. Shout out to you for knowing Indian in the Cupboard. Not many that, people that, on that my scene level. W- that scene when he puts all of his fucking toys in the cupboard at the same time and fucking unlocks it and opens oh. it up and Dar- Darth Vader and the Knight are fighting each other. It's like, yes! Fuck yeah, spread I wanted, I wanted to be that kid so bad. Yes! Oh, man. So you don't know if you're going to take Ruby to see Spider-Man. We're taking Ollie to see uh, Far From Home. His first movie ever was Homecoming. Oh, really? So... Yeah, so it's like a cool full circle. He was young too, man. Like it was I can't believe we took his little ass to that movie. You know, like he was just under three or just over three. He was right in the three range, but he did mostly good. V had to get up like once or twice in the movie and take him, but he's been to a bunch of movies since, so he knows to like sit down, be chill, watch the movie. He's into it now. Right. He loves Spider-Man and all the Marvel movies. It's going to be a home run. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in this movie? Like, what do you predict? Like, my thing is, ever since I saw Ben Mendelsohn in Endgame, in that final scene at Parker School, I'm like, scroller fucking there. They're fucking there. That's my, that's my theory. This whole movie is going to have some big twist with the scroll. I don't know if they're going to unveil that right away. I think that they're going to leave that for fans like us that noticed it, and then that's something that we're going to get a little bit farther down the line. Um, Maybe in a film where Spider-Man is a companion character and not the main character. Um, I mean, I I would definitely use this opportunity... If it is the whole multiverse thing, if it's not, you know, how however way that they do it, I'm okay with. I would definitely use this opportunity to introduce more villains for Spider-Man. Just build his rogues up. Mm-hmm. And 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 it doesn't even have to be like Venom and Carnage. It doesn't have to be the Green Goblin or Hobgoblin. It could be Craven. It could be Morpheus. It could be. Um, 
I want to see Shocker again. Like Shocker. Herman Schultz is already there. He's in jail or whatever. Bring him out, but like evolve his suit. Oh my mm-hmm. god. I um what's the other one? Not um Oh no, yeah, yeah, it is Shocker. Shocker, Rhino, Vulture. I was thinking Electro, but um Electro, fuck yeah. Debuts Amazing Spider Man nine. Shocker's a cooler villain than Electro, in my opinion. But I agree fully. I mean, uh, debuts an amazing Spider-Man forty-six. I have that issue. Fuck yeah. That's that's part of what makes Spider-Man kind of the crown jewel of Marvel comics. I feel like because he has the the in my opinion the largest and most diverse cast of villains of the entire run of everybody. Absolutely, hands down. So. Do you have to introduce Rhino as the next big villain for Spider-Man? No, but you introduce him to the universe so he's relevant. Yeah, make him like a like a like a dummy gangster. Like keep mm-hmm. keep him in his same being Rhino, you know, but put him on the side. It's not somebody that Spider-Man's struggling super hard with or that's causing him strife in his private life. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy he's got to fucking deal with. Oh, Rhino's loose again, motherfucker. Well, and and we were just talking about the Spider-Man video game a minute ago. Introduce somebody like Tombstone. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Tombstone I mean, it, and it. Oh. I, I, think, I think, in my opinion, Craven would be a perfect, like, let's get somebody in here that's going to be a thorn in his spine for a while that's not... You know the regular cast of characters like Vulture or or Rhino or Green Goblin or Venom. I think Craven would be really really cool to see done on the big screen. Who would you just because we're talking about Craven? I love Craven. Uh, his debuts in Amazing Spider-Man fifteen. Uh, who would you cast as Craven? See, that's a tough. Is there one anybody because... that kind of like pops into your head? There, there's a couple different routes that you could take with that. You could do kind of a almost Jumanji style older gentleman, like just the savvy hunter, um, you know. And there's a multitude of people that you could cast that way. But if you did almost the younger brutish, um, like you know, sophisticated big game hunter. Give me just a second, and I'll pull it up while I ramble. Um, I have my pick for who I would play as Craven the Hunter. It's so obvious. Lay it on me. Jason Momoa. Mm. Dude, think about it. Size compared to Tom Holland, he's massive. Right. Fast. He's got the build. Like, you can make him animalistic. You've seen him as Cal Drogo. He has that side. Like... And because he's such a big star and a big name, it would just be star power drawing to the franchise, man. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my thought. I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see who you think. I but, think uh, Momoa is my pick. I I think along the same lines as as Momoa, I think Manu Bennett would be probably my number one choice. Fuck yeah, my man, Manu Bennett playing Deathstroke in the Arrowverse. Manu Bennett is amazing. Yes, he played um, um, fuck. What's the the pale orc in the Hobbit films? He did he did him. 
He was Crixus on Spartacus, an equally as good show as Game of Thrones with a better ending. Spartacus, man, their lead fucked. actor, dude, that was a sad story. Yeah. Have you watched the documentary? No. There was a documentary on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it still is, but it, it kind of talks about Andy Whitfield's whole life. Damn. And, you know, I I watched Spartacus as it aired every season from the pilot all the way through and from the pilot up until his death, like Andy Whitfield was my guy. I wanted to see that guy take on every role that he possibly could take. And you know, tragically his life was cut short, uh, due to the big bad C L cancer. Fuck Um, cancer. Fuck cancer. But Manu Bennett, you know, that's that's kind of what that sh- uh, Spartacus is what really, um, you know, kind of catapulted him into a little bit more fame. Absolutely. A- and I, I, I think, you know, as much as I like Joe Manganiello, I think Manu Bennett, Manu Bennett should play Deathstroke, in my opinion. And if Joe's got to be the one to do it, I'm a big Joe fan. I want to see him succeed, too. He's also got a hot wife. Um, <laughs> had to throw that in there more than I can. Zing! But I mean, if if Manu's if Manu can't play Deathstroke, let let him be Craven the Hunter. Yes, I, I'm on board with that. I like I like Manu Bennett as possibly Craven. That'd be great. Uh, so here's my thought. I, I said the thing about the scrolls, and I just how cool would it be if at some point we learned that you know, Fury or Maria Hill or both of them aren't actually them, they're scroll. Would do you think that we would have maybe seen a little bit some of that though when they got snapped? No, because I think the transition of everything, you know, I think we only see them in endgame literally at the very end. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have no idea what they were doing up and until that point. They obviously weren't there for the final battle. They wouldn't have been much help. So, is there time for Scroll to have infiltrated and replaced them as if nothing happened? Or went underground? Or as soon as they come back, assimilate and take them over? Like, there are lots of possibilities, man. Do you think if, let's say that, that Hill and Fury are both Scroll? Shit. Are they... Are they still alive, or are you saying that Hill and Fury are gone? Ooh, I, you know, I didn't really think think about the repercussions of it. I was just thinking about, like... I mean, it doesn't even mean that they're gone. I mean, they could be imprisoned. If you're mm-hmm. going to do... If you're going to start building to Secret Invasion, which I feel like could be their next route, their next major play is to do Secret Invasion. You build the scroll up... There are a lot of heroes, man. I don't know which ones are actually Skrull. I don't know which ones we're fighting alongside of that are actually the people that we think they are, you know? And have that be your mm-hmm. blow-off to the first, the next five years, as it were, before we start getting into this X-Men shit? That's a massive story that would have some huge implications. Because yeah, then you can, play the, you can play the recast game, too, and you could be like... Oh man, so and so who we thought died here wasn't actually who we thought they were. And sure, that was totally Scarlett Johansson that felt her death to get the soul stone. Mm-hmm. 
but it wasn't actually human form her you know it was actually mm-hmm. the scroll and the camera didn't stay on her long enough to see if she changed we see that when scroll die they go back to their form they they revert back we see that with the fake colson in uh captain marvel so right. you know you wouldn't have seen it with tony they would have obviously known but like the one person who you don't get a lot of is clint's on that cliff he she dies one two three snap and he's in the lake so it's longer than three seconds going to take for her to switch to a scroll possibly what if there is a black widow still out there roaming about Mm -hmm. no i dig it i i I think i totally agree with with building up to secret invasion is is where you got to go next i just don't i don't I don't have a whole lot of ideas going into to far from home. I've I've kind of after Endgame, I kind of just cleansed my mind because I don't think any this is this is one of the few times going into a Marvel film that I don't have any idea that I think is really going to stick. Um, I mean, because if you pull up any major website right now, it'll say, this is how they introduce Venom in Far From Home. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's reasonable, um, you know, to get any of the symbiotes. Maybe maybe you acknowledge that the symbiotes exist in Far From Home, especially if they do, like, multiverse, you know, whatever, however they want to label it. Oh, I'm glad um, you brought up the multiverse. Don't let me forget I have a thing about that. Keep going. Okay. I, I just it doesn't seem reasonable that that any any character that's being played currently is going to be acknowledged, you know. Okay. They're going to be a separate thing. Mm-hmm. And okay, so, you know, contrary to, to to your feelings, I really enjoyed Tom Hardy's Venom, so I'm kind of okay with them being separate things for a while. Give me a little bit more Venom Lethal Protector and a little bit less, um, you know, a Venom being a villain for Spider-Man, and I'm okay with that. Well, and the nice thing, too, is you can set up, if if they do decide to go the route where they want Tom Hardy to, to jump over, first of all, it's going to immediately make it better mm-hmm. because you're going to have Marvel's hands on it. Then now I'm immediately going, well, I could trust it. If Marvel's getting down on it and Tom Hardy wants to be a part of it and they have this big grandiose plan, sure. Like fucking sure, because how cool would it be if his Eddie Brock is is, you know, relocates to New York and every chance he's getting to get over, Peter Parker's taking his spot. And mm-hmm. it starts to build a real genuine resentment with Peter Parker, not Spider Man. But then something happens which he causes a resentment in Spider Man now too. So Spider Man is not a friend of Eddie Brock. And then you really have this. So then when when it boils over and his venom comes out, there's a reason for him to do everything. And then maybe his symbiote temper maybe his symbiote leaves Eddie Brock in disgust, mm-hmm. goes to Parker and gives Parker this like new fucking not emo Parker, but like a dope pissed off listens to black metal Parker or some shit, right. you know. I mean, especially because in Venom, you know, uh, he talks about how him and uh, Brock are both losers. Well, Peter Parker's not a loser. 
You know, no. he's a stud. He's a stud. He's got the natural ability, you know, from the spider bite. And he's so, on it for everything else. So he's going to be like extra food for the symbiote. Symbiote's going to be like, wait, whoa, 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 new and improved. Like, went from driving the Ford Pinto to the fucking Lexus, baby. What? Right. You know? Uh, but, but you, check you this were going to say something about multiverse. I'm so glad you brought it back up. So Tom Holland and company were being interviewed on some show, right? And the host was like, man, you know, you've seen uh, Into the Spider-Verse, the animated movie, right? What if they did that live action with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield? And here's the thing, man. Normally, you hear what the person says. They don't let Tom answer the question. Everybody else talks over him the whole time. And his fucking hands do not stop fidgeting during that whole exchange. Like, maybe... That could be a plan. And how amazing and completely unexpected would that be to have a multiverse with Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire's old-ass Spider-Man at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. And then and then Tom Holland. It would be fucking nuts. Well, I read an article a couple days ago that said, you know, um, basically he wants to do it. That's his number one wish right now. That, that that's what he wants to do. He wants to do Into the Spider-Verse, and he wants to get the whole cast on. He wants to get somebody on to play Miles Morales. He wants the whole shebang. Oh. And I, I don't... I'm not, I'm not really an Andrew Garfield guy. I hated him as Spider-Man and Peter Parker both. Um, and, you know, I got a love... I got a lot of love for Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. Just not Black Suit Spider-Man, because that was awful. <laughs> yeah, but, Black, uh, Su- Black Suit Spider-Man was pretty bullshit. I think I think that would be really cool. And I, th- I think as successful as Into, Into the Spider-Verse has been, that, and you and I have said it before on the show, I think, they, I think the MCU needs to do more one-off movies anyway. Not everything has to be oh. a part of a grand plan. Or if it is, have such a little impact on the grand plan. It's just a minor detail carrying forward as as opposed to being such a big puzzle piece in a much larger picture. I mean, because let me ask you this. The the Black Widow standalone film, um, if it actually is a Black Widow standalone film, how relevant is that going to be? You know, honestly, I think it's going to be relevant because, and I covered this last week I think but rumor is the person that carries the mantle of Black Widow next is in this movie cast so it's possible that they're setting us up to be introduced to the next form of quote unquote Black Widow and maybe this character doesn't ever take the mantle or maybe this character officially calls herself Black Widow and uses the full term Black Widow because Nat was Widow, or, you know, they never called her the Black Widow. It was Never in the MCU does she get called that full on. Okay. So it's all Natasha or Agent Romanoff or whatever. So maybe that's a way to do it. You you give this character, and then you can really play, like, hardball into the comic side of it. And you, you, fuck, you could even make that character actually a scroll, just like I was saying. So there's, mm-hmm. is a scroll Black Widow? We just don't know it, you know? Like, I mean, there could be some cool things to come from this. 
I just think this is a way for Scarlett Johansson to get her bow out in a way that isn't in an ensemble where it gets kind of overlooked. Because really, if you look at Endgame, her death is fast and kind of painful, but you're like, oh, well, we're there's still shit to do. We're not done with the movie yet. So when you get to to, to RDJ and, and Tony's death, it's so impactful. It's like, holy shit, I wasn't... I, I didn't know that was coming. God damn it. But like... You don't get to really don't get to have a moment to mourn Scar or Black Widow mm-hmm. in that movie. So oh, I dig that. Uh, you know, maybe that's 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 my thought on it. Is you know maybe that's what their their purpose of having the standalone is is just give her one final go and also give the mantle to someone else. You know, because maybe in that movie she can be like Yelena. You know, if I fucking fall, you have to pick up the mantle. You have to go to my friends. You have to help them. You know, for the good of people or whatever. Oh, shit. I didn't know what I was just doing, and I pushed a button and took a picture of us, apparently live during the podcast. Whoops. (sighs) Old Nate. Dude, I'm telling you, I don't know technology. I just saw this thing flashing. I was like, oh, it's a red button. They always say don't push the red button. I had no idea what it was going to do, but curiosity killed the Nate. Here I am. Mm, Gotta push the red button. I'm telling you. Uh, so, I will say so where do you go next? that the re-release, you know, we didn't cover this on Endgame, but the re-release has put it only $26 million short of Avatar's record. I wanted to mention that. How long do you think the re-release is going to stay in the box office? Through the first... I would say until the home release of Endgame, it will run all the way up to, just like they did with Black Panther, just like they did with Captain Marvel. I mean... Captain Marvel was out on digital and in theaters making $8 million while it was digitally available. Mm-hmm. So that says something to me, you know, they, and, and, and really Avatar was in theaters for like 34 weeks total. As of right now, Endgame's only been in theaters for like 11. So when you compare and contrast overall, there's a lot of time to go. And as I said, it's possible that Marvel only lets this play until and until Spider-Man Far From Home is out a week or two, and then they pull the special feature shit and all that stuff and go back to basic release or whatever, and then pull it completely until it's award season and bring it back out and say, here you go, here's your final push. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, fuck, well, now that we've seen Far From Home and we've seen everything else and now we've got all of our rewatches at home and really studied the movie, I want to see it in theaters again. Fuck yes. Right. So I think it's possible. I think they, they. I think they have. They have a shot. Something controversial that I have. Oh, bring it up to my table, my dude. I am the king of unpopular opinion. Uh, yeah, but sometimes your unpopular opinions are valid. I don't want Endgame to dethrone Avatar. Really? What? I don't. Can can I get can I get your logic and reasoning at least? I well, one, I feel slighted by their attempt at a, a theatrical re-release. It's pretty pretty poorly done. Weak sauce, yeah. Yep. But two, you know, Avatar not just Titanic, but Avatar was the first like big thing like that of of our generation, I feel like. And 
obviously Avatar is not as as grand a scale as Endgame because it's just dances with wolves in space or Pocahontas in space. There's the I was train gonna of say Pocahontas existence. in space. I think we're on the same page here. Yep. Um, but I remember. I mean, I experienced that fresh. I saw that like I saw Avatar like six times in theaters. Um, Damn, bro. Yeah. Hard I mean, on that Navi dick. Well, it just felt like. If, I mean, it was like, hey man, you want to go see Avatar? Fuck yeah. Hey, uh, your uncle and I are gonna go see Avatar tomorrow. Do you want to go? Fuck yeah. Sure, take. You're taking me. You're paying for it. Going. Yeah. No, I I, I kind of said that just to be controversial. Um, I think Endgame has definitely, definitely earned its spot at number one. Um, even even though it's not quite there number wise, um, but but now that you know that they they slipped a little bit, I I don't know that they deserve it. You're just like okay, like how much do you really deserve it if that's what you came yeah. with? Mm-hmm. Like. Could have done something. You know what? I kind of was hoping when they said there were six minutes of bonus footage, my thought was like, fuck, dude, how cool would it be if they had like two and a half minutes of bonus features that are like the Stan Lee thing and maybe a deleted scene, a little bit of Far From Home, and then at the very end of Far From Home's teaser, they give us the slate for Phase 4. Mm-hmm. People would have shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It would have made mean, it worthwhile. We could sit here and theorize all day. They didn't do it. I understand where you're coming from, man. I will say it's cool because it is Avatar 10 years old now and change, you know, and it is a big part of our generation and a thing that's memorable, and it was the first major 3D movie of importance, and, you know, like, it changed cinema. It was the first 3D movie that, like, 3D TVs came with. Do you remember that shit? The mm-hmm. only way you could get it on Blu-ray was on 3D for a while. Well, it was one of the first uh, major motion pictures that was actually shot fully in 3D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's funny, though, because James Cameron works for Disney now, so he's got to be all kind and be like, Great job beating me, you fucking dickheads. Thanks. Oh, James Cameron doesn't have to do that. He's a diva. He does what he wants. You're right. You're right. But no, I think that I think that uh, James Cameron's gonna make money when he does the next Avatar movie. It's you know long, long, long overdue. I would say there's like four sequels planned, which I don't know how you really like at this point. I I I don't know. I don't know. I can't yeah, I remember that movie that well. I, I mean, I, I remember it very vividly because it's a pretty simple movie, but um, I just want James Cameron and Ridley Scott to, to pair up on some more alien stuff and, and fuck Avatar. Let's get some xenomorphs. Get some now, xenomorph dick now, up in this. Now that the xenomorph's a Disney princess. That's bitching in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does the little tongue thing, does, does that little creature also get to be a princess too, separate from the xenomorph, or is it all one? It's all one. Okay, I didn't know if it, like, because it wore a little hat, sometimes a bow tie. <laughs> it gets to wear what, a bow tie, but it's not a princess. I don't know what I'm talking about here. Just I don't, I don't know me, what folks. you're talking about either. It's okay, it happens. Um, Did you, 
did you have some DC news for me that you wanted? We were going to discuss. Possibly? Yeah, I'm going to re- I'm going to read the headline to this article and then a little bit like a paragraph. Sure, bring it on. DC Comics: The Last God is like Game of Thrones, just with an ending. A new fantasy slash horror comic book series made for lorehounds is coming to DC's Black Label. Your next favorite high fantasy will soon come from the home of Batman, Superman, and the Justice League. The Last God, a new original 12-issue fantasy horror comic book from DC Talent Development Workshop alum, Philip Kennedy Johnson, will be released later this year on October 30th under DC's Mature Readers label, DC Black Label. Um... Uh, okay. In The Last God, a fellowship of heroes led by Brave, Tyr Vanquish, a demon tyrant, Mole Oltep, known as The Last God, who ruled over the land of Cain Anun with an iron fist. Thirty years later, a new generation of heroes discover a secret kept by their predecessors. predecessors. They let The Last God live. You see the first fellowship come together to save the world and the second race against time to uncover this secret and redeem the crimes of the other. So the first article that I read of this was basically, let's say the first six issues are the original, you know, A squad of people uh, trying to take down this fucking all-powerful god. And then the second six issues is their children who have all band together to then take down the same foe. And I think that you know, as much as I love Marvel and DC and I love all the superheroes, some of my favorite stuff from when I was a kid was, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that Dark Horse did with the Star Wars comics and the AVP stuff and and some of the less known, um, you know, kind of more Walking Dead style shit. And fantasy is kind of a, a genre that I don't, I think, doesn't get recognized enough in comics, doesn't really get thought about. And, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to see DC trying something new. It sounds like a pretty original story. Um, I don't know if you looked at any of the artwork that I sent you, but if you scroll down... It's gorgeous. Just the, 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 the cover art of issue one just looks incredible and if you scroll down more it's actually got some panels and it, it just looks some of the vil- monsters and stuff mm-hmm. in it yeah yeah it just looks brutal and i mean not that i'm um a brutality fiend by any means but it just looks it looks fucking good just get you going get you in yeah. the right frame of mind mm-hmm. when you see it my thing is this here's my hope i'm all for anything dc does when it's 12 issue arc because usually it means that that they put their best people on it. They it's something that they're really con- they're letting a whole year develop to tell this story. But I'm not gonna lie, the last one they tried to do, we're still waiting on almost now two years later through. Because Doomsday Clock is not over. That shit started in 20 fucking 17. It should have been over last year. It's still not over. Right, dude. Come on, like. That story technically started in 2016 with the button in the Flash and Batman comics. So it's like, we're here, man. We want this crossover finish. We want to know how the Watchmen are going to fit into the DC's universe now. And I know you're probably trying to coincide it a little bit with the TV show, The Watchmen, that's going to come out soon. But 
All in all, man, I just think that if you're going to do a 12-issue arc for this new The Last God, be consistent. Make sure it's ready to go. Don't let your fans down. Don't give them three quarters of the story and then make them wait months. Because I don't give a fuck about Doomsday Clock now because of that exact reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I was Which hot is- on it. I really had love for it. And now I'm just like, yep, I'll fucking pick up those issues whenever I can. Right. You know, and yeah. that's unfortunate. I, I really hope that it, that it succeeds. I hope, it, you know, if, if it's worthy of succeeding. Um and and I'm glad that you brought up Doomsday Clock because this is one of the, the questions that I was going to ask you. I mean, what, in your opinion, what really needs to happen at DC for them to get their head out of their ass besides delivering on product when they say it's supposed to be delivered? All in all, I think th- there are too many chefs in the fucking kitchen, I think, Thank you. in DC. And my big issue is is you got a guy like Jeff Johns who's super clever, he has written great content. The revitalization of a lot of DC media is on his fucking shoulders. His quality control. His ability to say, I know a good story between a bad story. I mean, he's also the reason that Doomsday Clock is fucking late, you fucking cocksucker. But all in the same token, though, he knows what he's doing. He trusts his judgment, and if he's locked into a spot, it's going to be great. It's going to be flawless. When other people try to influence the design, when other people try to say what needs to happen, that's when you get the faltering. That's when you see things like Warner Brothers putting their hands into the cookie jar DC movies and saying, this is how your DC movie really needs to be made because we're trying to do it different, and you're fucking it up, and it's not good. And it's like, sure, there are parts of Aquaman that I really like. I'm not going to lie, but that movie is still garbage to me. There are the parts fight. of Wonder Woman that I loved, and I like, it's a good movie, but it's not a movie that I've had to go back and watch a hundred times because I can't get enough of it. Right. It doesn't hit me like that. Justice League is a great movie. It's actually one they did really well, which if they would have built up a little bit slower and better too, would have really delivered on a lot of notes. I'm going the wrong way here, but then you look at like Batman v Superman, there's a lot of missteps, Man of Steel has some quality but too much happening in one movie it's it's dc being influenced by warner brothers telling them what they can and can't do and it's like this warner brothers doesn't really say as much as cw with the cw shows and cw's like oh greg berlandi and fucking christberg and all you guys you know what you're doing we're gonna just let you fucking work man here's the fucking canvas here's the paint let us know what you need no you can't have tom cruise he's too fucking expensive like, you know, like, it's fine, though. We can do pretty much anything else you want. But with Warner Brothers, they just don't do... They aren't like that. They'll give you money. They'll give you the actors you want. But they're also going to come into their boardrooms and be like, this movie's complete shit. We need to reboot it. We need to do a whole different take on it. Joss Whedon's well, better. He did it right. Bring him in instead. You know, whatever the case is. is isn't that kind of DC's whole, whole shtick, though, where... They start down a path, they get cold feet about the decisions that they've made, and then their only option is to slap that fucking red button so hard that it breaks and reboot, we gotta reboot this motherfucker, we got to start over. And then they inevitably make the same mistake over and over and over again. 
Well, they do make the same mistakes over again. I think you you hit that perfectly. That's like nose on the head because they're so quick to fire on the red button. Like, oh, shit, things are going wrong. Hit the hit the little red button that, that their reactions aren't even right anymore. They, they don't even trust themselves. And they mm-hmm. probably have made like there's probably a movie of Justice League, a version, maybe the Zack Snyder cut. It's like really fucking next level good. Something totally unexpectedly good, right? We don't know. We aren't going to see it probably. That's just my opinion. But then there's also versions of other movies that DC and Warner Brothers have put out together that you know they had better versions because they released better versions. Oh, shit. Dawn of Justice didn't hit for people. It's because we need the extended edition. We didn't tell them all that exposition that we cut out. Oh, but now it's a three-hour movie that lulls us on to sleep. Boring. You know, like, I just think you keep people doing what they're good at. And if you need to have a good story, trust Jeff Johns to help create a team to deliver your good story. Let that team say, hey, we think this director would be great. Hey, we think these producers would probably be great to sit in and, and, and just make sure... That our thought process, because I think if this is executed well, we can hit a home run here. But there's not enough of that in D.C. They're all afraid. They don't have... There's no one helming the ship that needs to helm the ship. That's what's falling short. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way to say it. I've kind of rambled that point to death, but I just wanted to really drive it home. that their, their leadership... Too many cooks in the kitchen, and they don't trust the leadership they already have. So that's where I'm at. Let me ask you this. Do you think it would be in D.C.'s... <laughs> excuse me, um, best interest to just not, like, say every movie that they have on the docket right now that we know of, just don't make them. Just wait a couple years. Yes. Palette cleanser, bro. You do not have to stay up to pace with Marvel. I would, I you know would, what? I, I would really ahead. like to, I would really like to see James Gunn's Suicide Squad, but then after that, let's just, let's just stop. Let's let's hit the pause button. Let's take a TO and just see what see what the fuck happens and how it plays out. Yeah, man. I think that that's a, a really smart play because what you need to do is give this motherfucker room to breathe. Think about what you want to do. Plan what you want to execute. And then try to execute it as close to flawlessly as possible, man. Mm-hmm. But don't cut corners and expect you're going to catch up to Marvel. It's already never. You're never going to replicate Marvel. Even if you start today and build your own universe exactly how they did, in 10 years people are just going to be like, man, they're just a cheap knockoff of Marvel. And and so you just have to do your own thing. But then the way you hear them talking now at DC, and they're like, we're just going to make every movie its own movie and not try to connect them. That's wrong, too. There's a happy medium they need to find where it's like, sure, these worlds are connected, but they're not always bumping with each other like Marvel is, you know? Here, here's what I would do. If I, if I was the head of DC and, you know, I'm sitting in a boardroom with Warner Brothers, I'm going to say, we're going to let James Gunn finish Suicide Squad. However that is received, we're going to part ways with him with no, you know, ill will. And then we're going to take a couple year break. And then here's the first movie that we come back with Batman Beyond. And we are going to spend, we're going to spare no expense. 
We are going to actually have good writing and good talent and good directing, and everything from top to bottom is going to be flawless. We are going to give fans something that they want, and you give a Batman Beyond movie, and it's flawless. And then, kind of along the same lines of what they want to do, you just make every movie... You make Wonder Woman movies, and you make Aquaman movies, and you make Batman movies and Superman movies, and then maybe once every couple of years you make a Justice League movie, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with anything that happened in all those other movies. It's just the Justice League, all characters that you're familiar with because of all their individual movies that you've now made, and then- And some of their ancillary characters, obviously. Yep. And then they got to fight a bad guy. Maybe, maybe there's maybe there's a villain that has popped up in all of those movies, and then that's how that movie, uh, that's how the Justice League movie, that's how all those characters are tied together. Simple as that. That's how I would do it. Okay, so I'm gonna expand on that. I love that idea, but how cool would it be if like you make your Wonder Woman movies and your Batman movies and your Aquaman, Shazam movies, Flash movies, whatever? And at the end of every movie, there's one signature that keeps every movie's continuity the same. And it's a, it's a one moment in time. And it's at the end of each hero's journey. They're back in their HQ. And whoever, a butler or through the mail or however, a phone shows up with a letter that says... Answer this when I call emergencies only, and it just has the S, the Superman logo. And it's Superman essentially knowing, because he's fucking Superman and he's scouted the universe, he knows who's good, he sees all these people doing all these things, he's like, oh, I can trust these people, and then here we go. One day, so each each character gets the gets the phone in each of their individual movies is like an after credits or it's the last scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. But then when you have the movie, you can have the phone call, and it's each person quickly getting the phone call and and reacting to getting their ASAP. And like Bruce is like, Alfred, you're gonna need to cancel my date with uh, what's it, whatever fucking Vicky Vale. I'm gonna be. Gone for X amount of time. Uh, this is going to be my location. I don't know what I'm going to getting into. I was contacted by Clark. I'll see you later. <laughs> Boom. Off. Gone. Yeah, I dig it. Totally dig it. Sold. Because they didn't make it convoluted. They're not trying to give you what the backstory of the bad guy is or anything. They're just telling you like something. There's something more coming. We're not telling you what though, but there is something. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm all about it. Make it Me happen. Me too. Send him a well, letter right now. We'll fucking write the script. Shit, dude. Oh, I, w- I have so many ideas for Batman and, and other characters and how to do it. And I, That's for a conversation off air because I, I have some very serious ideas that are like really kind of cool. But um, <clears throat> I just think all in all, DC needs to really find the heart of their company and remember why they're doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... Think about your characters and think... Okay, so like... Example. If I were to do a Batman movie, the first Batman live-action adaptation I would take on is not something small. It's not a one-villain movie. It's not even a two-villain movie. 
you immediately, if you're going to reboot Batman, drop him off in Hush. Start at Hush. Make it the worst situation Bruce has ever been in that you're living in. You don't think about his parents' death, but you also totally think about his parents' death because it's at the heart of the story. But, like, it's not his backstory that you're focused on. It's It's what's happening in front of him. You get to play with the sandbox of all these other characters that get influenced by Hush and convinced and what have you. So you get introduced to all these pieces of Bruce's history and all these villains he's going to be fighting eventually to when Hush is over and it's done and, and that storyline is finished in, in movie one. Now when you go back and do a movie with the Riddler and Penguin or whoever, there's moments from that first movie that hit you and you're like, oh, fuck, man. Like, that sucks even more seeing that play out for for Nigma. You know, because you create the ability to make you feel for the villain too. I mm-hmm. think I think that's the next shift. We had it with Thanos, he him being the big, uh, the baddie that wins. I think we're gonna have more baddies that get sympathized with through future DC mediums as well. At least that's how I would do it. No, I vibe that for sure. They 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 have to do something, and I I think. Part of their their biggest problem right now is their inability to do anything. Yeah, they're like, uh, well, we made this move. We're going to do this thing. We're going to do this thing. Every move is wrong, bro. Like, Joaquin Phoenix, apparently this Joker movie is going to be like Oscar Award worthy. I don't know if it's going to be on nerds' radars because it just isn't the Joker. It's not. It's not fucking Batman, man. It's not what Man. I grew up on, dude. I know you're trying to tell like impactful storytelling, but if you're going to do that, don't call it call it something else. You know, if you can make a movie with guys with laser swords, it doesn't have to be Star Wars. It could be guys with laser swords. <laughs> Literally. Guys in 3D with laser swords, you know? Yeah. So, um I just think like for me, you know, I like Joaquin Phoenix a lot. I'm just getting like, you know, I, I look at the, the the vibes that I get from all the Joker trailers that I've watched and it's just creepy and not really interesting. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you want me to get excited about a Joker movie, you put one of two actors' names up on a billboard and then you've got me sold. It's either... Um, uh, That's me. Don't worry about it. Will Willem Dafoe or fuck yes. Mark or Mark Hamill? Oh, double fuck yes. If you're gonna do a Joker movie, pick one of them and make it happen. Mmm. Ha! Like my brain goes on fire. Mark Hamill is an amazing choice. He voiced the Joker, obviously, in the animated series and in the video games, and he's. Uh, a litany of nerd history in his background, obviously. Willem Dafoe plays a great villain. He did spectacular as Norman Osborn in the Green Goblin character. To and see he's just a creepy fucking dude. Let's throw that in there. He just has a creepy fucking face. You guys have all seen the people that have done like the mock-ups to make him look like the Joker. It's fucking awesome. You need It needs to happen. Like I agree with you. Uh... I think that, like, I, I, I just want to go back to it. 
I don't think you tell me a walking Phoenix Joker story that's so convoluted. That's what I think when I see this. Like, if it's going to be this think piece, then for the Joker, it's too convoluted. Because mm-hmm. he's simple and crazy and arc- anarchistic and doesn't think. He is chaos incarnate. He doesn't. There's not a rhyme or reason or a why. It's not because he lost his job and was bullied in an alley and had his fucking sign slapped out of his hand. Like it's much deeper than that, man. It's 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 psychosis and and the 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 fucking chemicals that Ace Chemicals fucking with his brain meats. Like it's not just oh the world fucked with him so now he's crazy. Like mm-hmm. I, I think it's just a cop out. That's me. That's just. And I know I haven't seen the movie yet. I gotta give the movie a chance and actually watch it. I should shut the fuck up till I've seen it. I know. Well, I I I, I don't disagree with you though at all. Because no. I, I I I totally agree that it, from what I've seen, it appears to be a cop out. It's just a a you know along the same lines as as Infinity or not Infinity War as Endgame, you know, a, a cash grab. Well, this guy obviously has mental health issues because he's been bullied and downtrodden, and that's what made him a villain. You know that that's a cash grab of our socio or our social climate right now. Bingo. So, I, I, you know, I, I can't say a whole lot because a lot of that is obviously relative and it's relevant. Um, but but that's not we're talking about a comic book character. The character is established. You know, you and I have talked about it a lot on this show. Look at the fucking source material. <laughs> like, just, it's not it's not hard. Just take a peek. Read Arkham Asylum. Read any of the Joker stories. Read The Killing Joke or Long Halloween. Read anything Batman-related. And there's another thing. I don't understand why movie studios, and maybe I get it in some weird capacity... But what in the fuck has gotten on with all these movie studios going, oh, a villain standalone movie with no hero involved. We can totally pull that off. You're missing the fucking point. The hero makes the villain great. The villain makes the hero greater. It's cyclical. You cannot have one without the other. Yeah, like, imagine... Uh, like, we've We've agreed that that Infinity War was Thanos' movie. It was Thanos and Thor. It was their movie. Thanos just happened to do the moonwalk out of this motherfucker. Yeah. But if none of the Avengers were in that movie, I'm really digging what you're doing right now. <laughs> but it, but if none of the Avengers in, were in that movie, it would, it would have just been Thanos murdering people. Jesus Christ, that's awful. You're right, though. Like that's what that's what this Joker movie's gonna be. It's just gonna be him snapping and fucking murdering people and causing chaos. That's what it's gonna be. Ted Bundy. Yes. Oh wait, wrong guy. Sorry. Fucking Dahmer. Ted Bundy. I mean, go through any of them. That's Man. what it's gonna be. It's just gonna be creepy as fuck. Yeah, DC's just like okay. Back to the if you're gonna do the break, right? Let your TV really shine. Like, you're already trying to focus on that. You're already trying to build your streaming service. You've already had missteps there. Let it all shine and really just let the TV universe speak for itself for a while. You don't need your Warner Brothers. You have money from other places that does not have to be your DC universe, okay? Mm -hmm. So let that happen. Give it some space. 
And while you are waiting, you plan with great diligence. You hire someone you trust to be the perfect casting person. I think that that, uh, what is her name? Sarah Finn Wolf or whatever her name is. I can't think. She is incredible for Marvel. Hits it out of the ballpark every movie. The casting's on point. That's what DC needs. That's a building block. That is more important than having a successful movie. In order to make a successful movie, you must first cast the right people for your movie. So that's what I'm saying. You need to go through all those kind of tiny steps and build a team you really trust and say, okay, now let's talk about the vision, the grand scheme of things. What can we do? What do we want to do? What are we trying to say? Do you think you go along the same lines as Marvel and do a cast of directors, or do you think you lock down one director that you really like and just let them make their universe for you? I mean, if you want to be unique to Marvel, you obviously let them have one guy who does the whole shebang. But as we've seen, if one guy's artistic vision is not the home run, you're not getting it off the ground. If you have a wide variety of people, it stays fresh. It stays nice. It gives people room to breathe. You're not, I hate to say it, but like, I got Zack Snyder to death, man. There was too much Zack Snyder and Zack Snyder's movies for me to even take, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, that like kind of sepia overtone that you put in 300, I'm over it. Fucking stop. I don't need to see it in your movies again. Like, I know that's supposed to be a calling card, but let your let your cinematography and how you shoot the movie and how you choose to allow your composer to score the movie, let all those decisions be what make you a great director, not some cheap effect. And even J.J. Abrams is guilty of the cheap effect with the fucking lens flare when he did the first Star Trek movie and then he did Super 8. He used so much fucking lens flare. Like, I don't even know what a good... I don't even know a good, like, analogy for that. How much lens flare. It was stupid. He was blinded by the light. God damn it, you got it dead on. He woke up, took a douche in the middle of the night. Yep. You know, like, man. It's just... And, and that's what I'm saying, too. Zack Snyder, like, maybe he seems like the guy. Oh, he did Watchmen. Watchmen was so good. He did 300. 300 was so good. If we lock him in for the DC hero movies, like, they'll be great. You know, but then if his vision is 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 one point off of what you expect and the audience doesn't hit, you've already built on crumbling foundation, and that's mm-hmm. why you lose. And they're not willing to lose, and that's why they're losing. When Isn't I, that I th- ironic? Yeah, I think, you know, they're, they're not willing to admit defeat. That's better. That's better, yeah. You know, they will not, they are just totally against saying... We tried and we failed. They refused to say that they failed because they, by the definition of the word, they have failed miserably. 100%. They have, they have tried to turn quicksand into concrete. Yeah. <laughs> and it is not happening, my friend. They, 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 I mean, they are working harder than a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. And they still cannot do it. They haven't even got their fucking shoe on for the competition no, yet. No. Bro. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's sad. It really is sad. And, and I think every time we discuss DC, 
I hope that people are picking up on the kind of somber undertone because we want it to be good. We want it to succeed. You know, I'm not totally unhappy with it because, you know, unpopular opinion guy, there's been a lot of stuff that I've enjoyed. Um, bits and pieces of every movie I have enjoyed quite a bit. Sure. And, Hey man, I've seen them all it's too, just, and there, like I said, there have been bits and pieces as well that I've enjoyed. It's just, it's disappointing more than anything because with the directors they've had, with some of the cast that they've had, with some of the stories that they've started, there should have been a lot more there than there has been. They should have way deeper thought processes and how their stories are evolving. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're so basic. They're just, it's like, it's like this. It's like you have two kids at a table and one kid is playing with the really simple, gigantic, like mega, mega blocks that like are for little, little kids. You can like build a fort with them mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. Like you can build a wall or something. But then you have this other kid who has like the advanced kinetics Lego set that's like building fucking robots that make you coffee. Like that's the difference between Marvel and DC's movies universe, and that's crazy. I mean, you you said it best about the somber tone and how we want it to be great. Mm-hmm. Look at what fucking shirt I'm wearing today, bro. Can you see? Yeah, oh yeah. Fastest man alive, man. Come on. He's my dude. Not fast. I love the flash. Quicksilver's Quicksilver's better. Not true. It is true. Quicksilver can't time travel. Sonic the Hedgehog's better. Sonic the Hedgehog can't time travel. <laughs> I want to go fast. <laughs> I know you want to go fast, but Barry Allen happens to be the fastest version of the fastest. He can travel between multiverses and travel backwards in time. I mean... Let me ask you this. Sure. Is is Barry Allen faster than Doctor Strange? I don't think so. Faster than Doctor Strange? Yeah. Doctor Strange can't run. He, he can teleport float. anywhere immediately. Not exactly. I'm so glad you brought this up because I was very focused the last time I recently watched Doctor Strange. It was the first movie I started on this journey of watching uh, some Marvel movies over the past weekend. Leave it at that. But um, I was very intently paying attention, and you're right. He can travel anywhere. However, he has to be able to 100% visualize it and be able to see it right in front of him. So... At the time he's trying to visualize it, Barry's already there pretty much, dude. Mm. He's fast, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> he's fast. I love that this is the thing, though, because this is an unusual superhero battle. Mm-hmm. Like, most people be like, oh, Quicksilver versus Flash, what's up? Nope. Quicksilver versus Strange. I love it. Because, I, I mean, who wins in a battle, though? Because Flash is super fucking fast, but Strange could just teleport him in half. Or lock him in a time loop where his speed means nothing. Oh, shit. He's taking the first three steps. Alan, I've come to bargain. (laughs) Barry's like, what the fuck is this? I've been trapped in the speed force before, but I don't know what the fuck this is. It's tripping me out, man. (laughs) You're special. Hey, Hey, Dormammu, what's up? I, can I just say that's one thing that's super underrated? There's a, such a comedic tone 
to Dormammu on my rewatch. Like I've seen Doctor Strange probably like ten times at this point. But on this specific watch, I picked up on something because it's like the second or third time Strange comes back with the Dormammu I've come to bargain. Dormammu's like, what is this? Like, he's so shocked. He's like, how is this fucking happening? I don't understand. Yeah, he's just I, pissed. But it's funny. It's it's comedic because he's this giant, like, dark universe lord thing. But then time beats him. Time whips that ass. Do you think... Okay, do you think... We brought up Doctor Strange. Do you think Dormammu's a villain that we see again? Could be. I mean... I don't know how you beat him. I use the air quotes there, beat him. Mm -hmm. Because the only way to quote-unquote beat him was essentially what Strange did, which was just bargain out of the situation instead of actually fighting a being that is unbeatable. I mean, he's made of dark matter. I mean, I don't... But of course, if you introduce this... If you introduce the Celestials or if you introduce the Eternals, it is possible that could be reintroduced and revitalized. Maybe Dormammu makes a play in the Eternals movie. Uh, I've heard rumor the Eternals movie is like a Fallout movie from from Thanos. Like, it directly is these group of people dealing with the after effects of what Thanos did to the Earth or to, to the entire universe. You know, not just hmm. Earth. Okay. Because it's like his people. You hit the council, and they're like, oh, shit, Thanos went off the fucking rails and did what? But apparently they're putting a big cast together. They've got some pretty interesting plans. They've looked at uh, Angelina Jolie, mm. possibly Keanu. <laughs> you, don't, you don't like Keanu? No, 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 that's for the first one, for Angelina oh. Jolie. Angelina Jolie? Two yeah, thumbs a- up. Two thumbs up for Keanu. I agree. I, I like Keanu quite a bit. I'm not... Re- oh, speaking of which, today, as you guys are listening, you're driving in your Ford Focus or whatever you're in today while you're in your car. <laughs> Oddly specific, you're driving the same car I have, I guess. Um, <laughs> that's why I chose it. Uh, today, Bill and Ted 3 Face the Music starts filming. Mm-hmm. Officially filming the third one. My dude. I'm Wild pumped. Stallions. Bill and Ted, man. Yes. The original the original Saw dudes. Saw dude. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Saw! Uh, yeah, man. Uh, we're starting Bill to get slap Preston happy. Esquire. Huh? We're starting to get slap happy. Dude, it happens. It's podcasting life, man. Uh, I think that... I want to talk a little bit about something that we're going to be talking about more as the months creep on. My biceps? You're swole. Yeah, you're swole. I mean, I appreciate it. It's Yeah, look at there. Yeah. I'm stocky boy. That's what they call me. They say I'm thick. I'm okay with it. <laughs> Two C's. Thick. Yeah. <laughs> it's Like it's, a milkshake. Yeah, like, like you have milkshake caught in the back of your throat and you're gagging a little bit. Thick. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Okay, anyways, um, I forgot where, I, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, in the coming months we're going to be talking more about Star Wars, because we're nearing yes. the time yes. for Rise of Skywalkers. Uh, what what are your expectations for this movie? I know we've only had the one trailer, lots of rumors, lots of possibilities. 
What do you want to see out of this? So, I'm going to start with the negative. Um, okay. Because I read an article today that kind of pissed me off. If it's about Daisy Ridley, I'm glad you're bringing it up. It, I, it is. Um, she basically said, you know, she could never see herself doing another Star Wars movie or being a part of Star Wars ever again. And I've never really liked her character anyway. I don't really like Daisy Ridley. Okay. So, if you don't want to be a part of fucking Star Wars, then don't cash the checks from Disney and Lucasfilm and go sit at home because there's a million fucking other people that would love to be the main character of a Star Wars film. Let me ask you a serious question. What if that's a red herring because she can't... It's almost easier for her to say that than to say anything because if this is the end of the Skywalker saga and there's a future of Star Wars coming... This universe in some form or fashion, you didn't give us these characters as a three-movie one-off to call it the end of the story. Like, I don't really believe that. I think there's a lot more for Poe and Rey and Finn to do. All three of them could be major players in a much bigger story down the line. And, you know, maybe she's playing coy because she knows that's a thing. We don't know that's a thing. And she can't let on. If Ray is going to be a continuing character going forward, I don't want to watch it. Oh, damn. That's strong. King of I, unpopular I, opinion, but that's a strong opinion that I, I can understand because as a fan, you seem kind of slighted by her saying this. I understand that. Well, but it, also, it's not, it's not even that. Her, her abilities. I've just not enjoyed her character at all. You know, it, it's it's a it's a rehashing of Luke, which is fine. I'm totally okay with that. But Luke was at least an interesting character. Absolutely. Ray Ray is not. It's 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 the cheapest dime store novel dialogue. I don't know who my parents are. I'm sad. Dark side. Whole plot. Right there. Bingo, he nailed it. I, I And I just, I don't dig it, you know? When, when we got that original teaser for The Force Awakens, and, you know, she's climbing through that Star Destroyer, I thought, man, this is, this is a cool, this is going to be a cool character to play the main heroine instead of the main hero. And that, that is refreshing. You know, Star Wars is all about powerful women. But this is going to be the powerful woman and not the supporting powerful woman. And I just I just don't dig it. It's just not good. I'm hopeful that when we see this final movie, it changes your mind, it changes my mind, and maybe we say yeah. something different. I really am hopeful for that. I can't expect that, though, because I fear... I fear... Speculation in Star Wars at this point is futile. Mm-hmm. Because, and I don't mean that like, oh, we can speculate all day and never say one thing that they're going to do, but not necessarily not worrying about what they're going to do as much as people are going to tear this movie apart no matter what they do. It's well, coming, and, and bro. Y- y- excuse me. You look at what we're doing right now. I'm pretty much tearing it apart already. Over things not- you're unhappy with over the series and that's I'm what I'm e- saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
This is a series problem. So the movie itself is already in danger zone. It has to deliver on all fucking notes. But if it does, and it ties everything in, and it does a great job of putting you in a position where you're like, fuck, that's the best thing they've ever done, and that told Star Wars the best way, the best send-off possible, the best, the end. If they can end nine-movie saga like that, then I think we're all going to walk away happy. Mm-hmm. But well, I and- think until they deliver, we've got some uh, mountains to climb. i got to time travel a little bit. You know, earlier in the show, I talked about how Ruby and I have watched Star Wars every day Word for a couple months. For a couple months now, yeah, we have not watched any of the current trilogy films. OG six, or just the three? We, no, no, no. When I say that, I mean Episode seven or Episode eight. Gotcha. So you're watching the first six. Mm-hmm. Nice. Even Phantom Menace. Yep. You're a Darth Maul boy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, hell yeah. He's the wickedest. He's the best. And also the worst, too, also as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we've watched we've watched a little bit of everything, but, I mean, other than... Like, I don't, I don't have any reason to re-watch... The Force Awakens, other than it's a pretty good movie, you know? I don't have any reason to watch The Last Jedi other than the Red Room fight scene or the, the Lightspeed Battering Ram. Those are the two reasons I have to rewatch that movie. I have a third one, too, because I also loved the final scene with Luke and the, okay. the desert snow. Yep. That's the shit, too. Yep, yep, okay. The, you got me there. <laughs> so I was like, like there is that one too. Like, let's be real, that was pretty dope. Yeah, that that final scene with Luke when when the suns are setting, you know, and it goes all the way back to a New Hope when he's standing on the little berm, watching the sunset, and it goes all the way back to Attack of the Clones, and Anakin is watching the twin sunset. Like, okay, that's that's incredible. That that I mean, it hits you right here, nails you in the um, feels. What's that? I said it nails you in the feels. Yeah. Um, I really hope that with having the Emperor as a villain to end this final film, I really hope that it justifies kind of the rocky road that we've gone down so far. Um, With that being said... I'll tell you that I am a lot more excited for The Mandalorian than I am for for The Rise of Skywalker. And furthermore, I'm more excited for the additional trilogies that are happening separate of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, the Game of Thrones guys are doing a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson is doing a trilogy. <clears throat> And I and I really want to see. I really hope that the Mandalorian is successful because I want to see Favreau get involved. Favreau's kind of my guy right now because um, while we were sitting at the movie theater today uh, before Toy Story started, we saw a, a new trailer for The Lion King, which looks incredible. Um. But it was it had a pretty big like director spotlight of John Favreau talking about 
how honored he is to direct the Lion King and, and all the things that he has done in paying respect to the original film and getting people involved from the original film and trying to match like scene for scene everything that happened in the original film. He's trying to do it justice. And I feel like if I was in charge of Star Wars at Disney and I said, okay, I've got to give Star Wars to one guy. John Favreau's the guy that I'm going to give it to. Yeah, he's he's a great uh, mind for putting things... How do I say this the right way? He took a character like Iron Man, who is like a B-plus comic book character, not most well-loved. I mean, even to this day, Iron Man comics are not ultra-collectible, you know, per se. Right. Maybe the key issues, but that's about it, you know. And he took this character and made him endearing and said, here, what are the what are the great qualities? Let's turn those up to 11. What are the bad qualities? Let's dial those right into the perfect thing that's just human enough. It's not too villainous, you know. And found this thing. So if you give him the universe of Star Wars and say, hey, bro, here's your sandbox. We know we gave you the Mandalorian and you just, you just did really well with the Mandalorian, but here's your full, the world is your oyster, bro. Shuck it. Do whatever you're going to do. It would be glorious. He, of course he's going to be successful. I don't know if he's the guy to carry on a franchise beyond a couple movies. I don't. I think that he likes to move around too much to be locked in 100% to only doing you well, know, space here's the thing, fantasy. Here's the, thing, here's the thing with Favreau that I really appreciate. I feel like there's no one better in the industry at paying attention to the source material than John Favreau. Well said. Yeah, he absolutely locks into how all the nuances are. That's the most important thing is paying attention to the nuance. He's a fan. That's why he's good at it. It's not just because he's he's good at his job. It's because he's a fan. If he's he into it. something, it's because he fucking loves it. So I'm uh, I'm all about that. Absolutely, man. I just want I just want. How do, how do I say it? I want I want every generation after us I want my grandchildren to fall in love with Star Wars the way that I fell in love with Star Wars the way that you fell in love with Star Wars the way that my daughter has fell in love with Star Wars she's not even three years old yet and she, we get home every day and she says, I want to watch Star Wars. Because that's how she <laughs> says Star Wars. I want to watch Star Wars, Daddy. Okay, which one do you want to watch? The one with Chewbacca in it? Okay. Do you want to watch the one with the Tauntauns or the one with the Ewoks? Uh, I want to watch the Tauntauns today. Okay, we'll watch Empire, baby. Daddy, yeah. look, it's Star Wars. Daddy, look, it's Darth Vader. He's scary. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so satisfying as a fan, as a parent, to sit and watch fucking Star Wars with my kid. Takes you back. I, it, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that is that is what Star Wars is. You know, the MCU's great. DC Comics are great. 
all this nerd culture is great, but Star Wars, in my mind, is still the crown jewel because there's nothing better at connecting <clears throat> generations of people than Star Wars. Bingo. Fucking perfectly said. Uh, also, Tauntauns, and I thought they smelled bad on the outside. They definitely smell worse on the inside. Uh, I think that it's awesome that you ask her between the two best Star Wars movies. Like, do you want to watch Empire or Jedi? Because while I love A New Hope, it is the most basic of Star Wars stories. Right. And the one I will say the one thing I would watch A New Hope for over the other movies, though, is I'm a, I'm a huge Tusken Raider mark, dude. Like, I love the outfit designs of the Tusken Raiders. I love their creepy nature I think is the way to say that just the the way that species works did you ever read the Star Wars comics that Dark Horse published uh, like late 90s early 2000s where Kaeda Mundi was actually living with the Tusken Raiders do you know what's really fucking weird I have them sitting in a box right on the other side of this wall my fucking man I just found them (laughs) yeah those were great. Those were great books. Totally underrated comics, dude. Mm-hmm. And look at you bringing Dark Horse up on Journey into Comics. First day as a host, you're already fucking hitting home runs, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> My favorite comics are, are pretty much anything that Dark Horse puts out. So you're a fan just, of the Mask. Well, you know, not necessarily the Mask, but um, w- we've talked about it before on the show. You know when. All of my friends were reading Iron Man and Spider-Man and, and, you know, the X-Men and shit like that. Most of the stuff that I read was what, I mean, it had that fucking Dark Horse label on it. You know, Star Wars, AVP, just all that shit like that. And that's what got me into comics. Um, and, and again, that's why Star Wars means so much to me. You know, Star Wars gave me a love for comic books more than Marvel or DC or any of the other ones ever did. And I feel like with Kathleen Kennedy and some of the leadership and a lot of the shit that's been going down at Lucasfilm and Disney with Star Wars the last couple of years that they're just not delivering on what made people like myself fall in love with the brand, what made us fall in love with the characters in the universe and... You know, I remember, I still, like, I have a bookshelf right over here that's full of just Star Wars Expanded Universe novels. That is all that is on it, is Star Wars novels. Fuck yeah, dude. I love that. That's that's what Star Wars is about. Like, it's infinite, it's infinite storytelling. The smallest character can be the, the most impactful character in a different story, and I, you know, where they're at right now, it's just not not that impactful. I think it's interesting, by the way, how professionally talented you are at your job now, being the co-host of this show. Because without even meaning to, you successfully have tied in your journey into comics into your official debut episode. Just like thank you. Whoop de whoop de whoop de whoop. I didn't want to make it like super obvious, but it was worth pointing out just for the people in the back who are really special and didn't hear it. You know, like 
Man, uh, I think that you you nail it though because Star Wars is a connection to family for me. Mm-hmm. Like I watched that movie with my uncle who, or with those movies with my uncle who's like deceased, and I've watched all the Star Wars with my dad, every single fucking one, most of which in theaters, you know, especially when they did the '95 re-releases and shit like that. Like, I mean, even so, check this out. I'm prove how how much into Star Wars I am right off camera here. I have my see if you can see this up close. Nice, Luke with the green saber in the black cloak. So check it out. This figure was only given out on the debut night of Return of the Jedi in '95 when they re-released the movie because it's a it's a Kenner Power of the Force '95 uh, figure. I used to have. One of the biggest Kenner Star Wars uh, Power of the Force 95 collections in existence because I went a little ape shit at one point and literally had every card, every variant. They had, okay, so if you bought regular Luke Skywalker, there were really two versions of him. There was regular one with the long saber and regular one with the short saber. But then there were also ones with different cloak colors, and I had every fucking variant. I was obsessed with them, man. All on card and shit. So I finally eventually sold them all. But I kept, I had a, a double of that one out of the box and I kept it. I was like, man, I fucking love Luke from Return of the Jedi when he walks into Jabba's palace like a fucking Jedi Knight gangster motherfucker. He's just like, I am did, going to take what I want from you, Jabba. And there's even, nothing you can do. Didn't even have his lightsaber. He just said, I'm going to strut up in here and get what I want. Yep. Super calm. <clears throat> You got Leia in her Bosch gear, mm-hmm. and she's uh, trying to sneak out Mr. Han Solo. Maybe we should do that someday on the show. We should like dedicate episodes to just one Star Wars movie a day, or an episode. I'm okay with that. You know, and just talk in great detail, because I feel like we could sit here for hours and talk on Star Wars. Literally, we could just not shut up about Star Wars. There's so much mm-hmm. to to cover, to dissect, to go through. I want to real quick ask you before we get really completely 100% out of here. Uh, you earlier, way earlier in the show, said you played Spider-Man on PS4. What did you think? Oh, it was great. It was fantastic. Uh, I haven't played the DLC yet. Same. That's, that's in my, um, kind of in my backlog right now. Um but I I thought it was just the overall story was unique and, and impactful and very well written. It was emotional when it needed to be. It was funny when it needed to be. The gameplay was fantastic. The things that were repetitive didn't feel repetitive. Um, you know, they had callbacks and little Easter eggs and, and the villains that they brought in when they needed to were all just, it was all good. Um, perfectly said yeah you know the the shocker is one of my favorite villains from from spider-man ever not a big electro guy i mean just ooh electricity yeah like like the shocker shocker's got that fucking suit man that is just so badass plus he was prominent and i think the people 
in our generation have a deeper appreciation for Shocker because, I don't know about you, I fell in love with the Shocker through the animated series. Absolutely. Really, really where I fell in love with that character. He was much more utilized. Him and Scorpion and all those different characters in that show were so well utilized. And I... Mm-hmm. Really, my love for Spider-Man comes from that show. And then I really dove into the comics, you know. Uh, I but, will say that Spider-Man, that Marvel Spider-Man game is also the first video game that ever made me cry, so that's something. Dude, the Stan Lee cameo, I was not expecting it. It was like right after he had passed away. Mm-hmm. Caught me off guard like a motherfucker. I was just like, oh, right in the guts. Urgh. But, you know, I mean, playing through that game, the the Kingpin was fantastic. Shocker was great. Um, I haven't played the DLC yet. But, you know, Black Cat's involvement I thought was very witty and, and, and obviously played very well to her character. Seeing characters come in like Silver Sable in the Taskmaster. Fucking I mean, A, bro. Yeah. I thought Mr. Negative was, was fantastic. Um, you know, I brought up Tombstone earlier. I thought Tombstone was really cool. Um, just Playing as Mary Jane was really dope. And also Miles. Yes. Yeah. I don't talk about uh, Scorpion or Matt Gargan very much, but but you just brought it up with the animated series. Scorpion, if you're if you're a '90s kid, a, a late '80s, early '90s kid, Scorpion was a badass fucking villain. Like when when you sat down to watch an episode of Spider Man and Scorpion was involved, Spider Man was in some shit. Oh, he was in trouble. <laughs> yep, and just. <laughs> I mean, and and you know the 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 mastermind of the whole thing, just like he should be. Um, you know, Doc Ock was just flawless. If they could do, if they could do Doc Ock the way that they did, or the way, if they could do Doc Ock on the big screen the way that they did in this video game, it'd be an Oscar winner all day. Fucking a, dude! That moment, oh. The end scene there with, oh, just nails it. You have it dead on. That moment got me, too. It's so powerful with those two. Um, I feel like uh, we've kind of covered the gamut of things. I also want to mention that I agree that I love that Taskmaster was involved in the game. Uh they did it all. They also left enough room and didn't use enough of their... I mean, we didn't get Mysterio in this game, which I'm grateful for. Now he can be a bigger force in the second game, and you can utilize that character to do some really crazy shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, also with the new Marvel Avengers game coming out. Uh, I'm stoked. But, Tyler, before we get out of here, last question we're going to throw at you, and then we're going to wrap this bad boy up. You're now the co-host of Journey into Comics... What are some things you want to see out of this show moving forward, my dude? I mean, you have staken this officially, and uh, we've been going two two hundred and fifty strong, my friend. Uh, I just want to continue putting forth a good show, like you have, like you and Brandon did. I I told you when you originally asked me to be your co-host, I said I've really enjoyed your solo stuff. It was fresh and and. You know, hearing you kind of monologue about stuff was really um, enjoyable and relaxing for me sometimes because even though we have a different perspective on a lot of stuff, 
you know, I might be involved in what I'm doing and you might hit a theory that is just like, yes. And then my, you know, all the neurons start firing and my brain starts working. Um, I, I really enjoy talking like, like I asked you earlier, are we ever going to see Dormammu again? Since Dormammu got, you know, vanquished basically, or, or overcome by Dr. Strange, no one has talked about him since that movie. Yeah. He's one of the he's one of the most powerful beings in the entire Marvel universe. C- correct. We got to talk about him again at some point. I agree. I definitely you agree. You know. So um just keep just keep doing what you're doing. You're steering the ship. I'm rowing it. Okay, I like that. I'm going to steer us uh, west, I think, to the coast. <laughs> All right. As long as, you're, as long as you're taking us where it's warm, I'm okay with that. That's what I am talking about, yeah. But not too warm. But today was ball sack warm. I'm not like a fan. Like, I was okay with it. Well, you were okay with it because you were chilling, like actually just hanging out, not having to be out in it. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, I am, in fact, grateful that I didn't have to do that bullshit. Oh, man. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Comics. We're 250 episodes in. We're, like, 50 episodes away from 300. That's crazy, too. Numbers, those are a thing. We count. At least we didn't forget. Uh, I want to say, as always, folks, you can check out the Journey into Comics podcast and network journeyintocomics.com get us on iTunes Podbean Stitcher Radio Google Play Music Spotify CastBox TuneIn you guys know where to find us just search Journey Into Comics Network you have to do that subscribe to us to get all the different shows on our feed we've got some new stuff coming down the pike some voices are new that are coming some familiar voices you haven't heard in a long time are coming around again we've got some exciting content coming for you folks we've got a Patreon go there patreon.com backslash journey into comics Give us a dollar for early access or exclusive content. We've got other tiers, which will unlock other exclusives for you. We just need you to be into what we're doing, folks. I think that's going to do it for this week. Tyler, you got anything else to add, my dude? Nope. Take us home, Nate. He's like, nope, we're ready. All right, folks. Well, as always, this has been Journey in Two Comics 250. Guys with laser swords and in 3D. (laughs) I have been your host, Nate. And I've been Tyler. And we will see you folks later. Fill your brains with shit. Later, guys.